listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight that you are totally awesome. God, I ask right now that you would anoint our ears to hear the truth of your word, that it would be alive inside of our hearts, that it would transform us, that it would change us, that it would renew us. God, that it would make us better from being here tonight. God, we praise you. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I'm really excited about this new series, and I know what you're thinking. Pastor P, every time you speak, you say you're really excited, and I really am. I get excited about the Word of God. I was just reading the other day. Actually, this morning, I was reading Psalms, I believe it was 106. If you want a lift and a boost, or 107, it was one of those. It was a great Psalm, and it talks about just the blessing of God and just everything He has, and I think there is so much that we can get from the Word of God. That's why I'm excited when we can open up the truth and we can learn. This series that we're dealing with is called Hook, Line, and Sinker. We're dealing with the fact that Satan is out there trying to steal our lives. We know that. But one of the greatest tools or the bait that he uses so many times is that of offense. Finding ourselves offended. Being wronged by someone. Someone saying something. Someone maybe not saying anything. We can get offended by stuff people don't say too. We get offended by how the way people look at us or how they don't look at us. The opportunity, as we all discover once again tonight, for offense are endless in every one of us. But I really believe that through this series, so many, myself included, are going to see such benefit in your life as you begin to recognize and realize and and guard your hearts, because that's what it's about, guarding our hearts and not allowing these things to take root in our lives. The bait of Satan is how John Bevere in his book, and I, I, I cannot strongly urge you all to read the book. It is absolutely incredible. A lot of the materials that we're going to be teaching on are going to be coming first and foremost from the Word of God, but a lot of it's going to be taken from the bait of Satan. An incredible book as you read about offense and how Satan wants to destroy our lives. Offense is around us every day. The opportunities for it to become a part of our life are endless. If I was to ask right now how many people have been offended and how offenses come, there would be we would be here for weeks talking about how people have offended us and, and the opportunities that there are. They are endless all around us. But I want to read again from Luke chapter 17 and verse 1. And it says these words. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offense should come. 
I mean, God, I mean, did you have to say impossible? Could you not say that you may have offense? Jesus says to his disciples, it is impossible that no offense would come. I'm not a rocket scientist, John, but that means offense is coming. Hello, I said, I mean, that means it's impossible for me to live without the opportunity to be offended in my life. So Jesus said to his disciples, it's impossible that no offense should come, but woe to him through offense. Or woe to him through which offense does come. In other words, I need you to grasp this. I need you to get a hold of this because this is what Jesus is telling us from this passage of Scripture. It's not a question of opportunity to be offended. Because there's many opportunities for offense. But the question is, what is our response? It's not a question of opportunity, but what will our response be to it. Are we going to take the bait? Are we going to grab a hold of the bait? Because we learned Sunday that offense in itself is not a problem if it stays in the trap. But it's when we grab the bait and grab a hold of it and we begin to feed on it and we put it into our heart that bang, the trap closes and we are caught. So will we take its bait? Will we allow it into our hearts. When we talk about allowing something into our heart, do you know what we're saying? We're saying we're making something a part of us. Dale, can you come up here a second with me? Watch this. This is what happens. If Dale is an offense and I take it upon me, you know what happens? It becomes a part of me. So wherever I go, guess what? Paul says in the word of God, how shall I escape this body of death? I mean, he's talking about how literally we can have something strapped to us that one of the tortures back in the olden times was if you killed someone, they would strap that person to your body. They would anchor that person to your body and you could not be free from them. You know what happened? That body would begin to decay and the filth and decay would eventually eat into you and destroy your life. That's why Paul says, how can I escape the this body of death. But what happens is offense then becomes a part of you. We may say, no, they just said a word. We have allowed them to be attached to our life. An attachment, thanks, Dale, to our life. I wonder how much we've got attached to our life. I wonder how many burdens and how many things that we've allowed into our hearts that we can kind of blow off and say, oh, that's no big deal. But we don't realize, just like what I did with Dale, we're carrying around that offense. The more offense comes, the harder it is going to be to shake free in our lives. It literally becomes a part of you. If you don't believe me, start talking about the person who offended you. See what starts happening. See the feelings that start rising up. Why? Because it's become a part of you. It's impossible for your life, for you to be offended and it not affect you in some way. I don't care who you are. You can be the greatest Christian on the face of this earth. And if you are, you shouldn't be offended. Hello? You shouldn't be offended. But you can be the strongest Christian on the face of this earth. But if you allow offense, if you allow hurt and bitterness and resentment, if you allow those things to come into your heart, it's going to affect you in one way or the other. Because it's impossible not to be offended. 
Because what happens, it begins to manifest itself in your life. We call those on Sunday the fruit of offense. There's going to be manifestations. There's going to be fruit that's going to come as a result. But the problem is it doesn't just stop with fruit. It will produce consequences. And the ultimate consequence usually has God in there somewhere. What am I talking about? How many people have been offended by someone and God has nothing to do with it, but at the end of the day, people don't come to church anymore? Huh? God had nothing to do with it. Or people say something, all of a sudden it just gets thrown back to your relationship and people get bitter and angry at God. It's amazing how the ultimate consequence so many times in the life of a believer is the fact that we get angry and mad at God and our relationship with Him suffers. Well, it's not really crazy when you think about it because what is Satan's number one goal? To destroy your relationship with God. To take your relationship. Oh, you know he does. Those thoughts that he puts in your mind. God doesn't really love you. God doesn't. If God really cared about you, God would have done these things. What is he doing? Destroying your relationship with God. He uses the bait of offense to get into your life that fruits manifest, that consequences. And at the end of the road, what happens is we begin to blame God. And many people are not even in church today because of the offense that they took. Don't tell me offense won't destroy your life. And so we see it's important we don't take the bait of offense that Satan has laid to trap every one of us. On Sunday, we talked about how the disciples walked with Jesus. I mean, it would have been incredible. And I know Jesus walks with us and and we have him inside of us every day. and, And thank God for that. But how incredible would it have been to walk and hear the stories of Jesus and see Jesus say to a crippled man, get up and walk. To see him bust up on a funeral and turn it into a family reunion. I mean, how incredible would it have been to see and being in that boat and being in the wind and the waves and being smacked around all of a sudden Jesus said, hey, would you just stop? And all of a sudden, bam. It wasn't a process that the wind blew over. I mean, bam, immediately. I love that. So many miracles that Jesus did, the Bible says, and immediately. Strength came in his legs and he jumped up and immediately he received his sight and immediately the wind and the waves, they obeyed him. All those incredible, undeniable miracles. But you know what, Victoria? Never do you hear the disciples say, Jesus, give us the faith so we can do that. They don't ask for that. They don't say, Jesus, let us do that. Jesus told them that greater things than these shall you do in my name. Jesus told them it was available. But what did Jesus have to deal with them over and over about? Lack of faith. Why have you not got faith. But when Jesus spoke about offense, being wronged by someone, let's read again their response. If you're still in Luke 17, look at verse 3 through 5, and it says this, Luke 17, verse 3 through 5. It says, take heed to yourself. It's not in my notes here, but you know what? Your responsibility is for yourself and nothing else. I'm not meaning as parents we should be irresponsible for our children. But you know, so often, Alicia, we worry about everyone else and we forget about ourselves. My number one response, I can't change Daryl, but I can change me. I let God and I lift Daryl up to God. Not really. I mean, you're great, Daryl. But what I'm saying is, the Bible says, take heed to yourself. It's about you. It's about you. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, 
forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you and says, I repent, Jesus said, you shall forgive him. Jesus didn't say you hold a grudge. Jesus didn't say you put him in penance and you make him prove the fact. Jesus says you forgive him, which literally means to release that. Why? You release that because what are you doing? You are freeing yourself. I'm not allowing Dale to be what a attachment to my life. But what am I doing? As I forgive him, I'm releasing that offense, that attachment, that which can grab a hold of my life. I'm releasing that back into the hands of God, freeing myself, but not only myself. I'm giving them the opportunity to be free too. Notice this. Forgiveness doesn't just free you. It gives them the opportunity to be free as well. Okay, so it goes on. So the apostles say in verse five, and the disciples or the apostles said to the Lord, Jesus, increase our faith. Increase our faith. In other words, this is what they said. I cannot do that. That's what they were saying. God, I I can't do that. I mean, come on, I mean, to forgive people who have wronged me, I mean, I've got every right and I've got every reason. That's how many of us feel. But their reply needs to be our reply, and that is this, to admit the fact that, God, I need your help. God, increase my faith. I can't do it. Come on, I'll be the first to say, I can't do it. And do I have a witness in the house? I can't do it, man. I, I want to seek revenge, and we're going to talk about that. We, in the natural, we've got to fight through those things. Jesus, they cried out and they said, God, we can't do it, but you can. You know what they were asking for? They were asking for divine intervention. It just hit me today that perhaps one of the greatest definitions that we could have of faith in our lives is this, divine intervention. That God has to come through for us. Come on. God's got to come through. I mean, God's got to come through. If God doesn't come through, Miss Emma, we're in trouble. Come on, when we're living by faith, if God doesn't come through, watch out, we are in trouble. So what are they crying out? God, I can't do it on my own, but I can do anything through divine intervention. Because forgiven is something in ourselves we are incapable of doing. I said it a few moments ago, but in the natural, we want revenge. In church, we want to admit, no, we forgive them. But come on, we know the real feelings that goes on. We're looking for ways that we can dig them back the hardest. We want to get mad because we deserve to get mad. They made us mad. I have the right to be mad. We want to gossip. After all, I'm just saying something because they said something about me. If they hadn't have said anything, I would have never said anything. It's their fault then that I'm gossiping, not mine. What else do we want to do? We want to make them hurt for the wounds that they have afflicted upon us. But it's sad, isn't it? We want them to hurt more than we hurt. So we inflict a greater blow. This is us in the natural. This is us in the natural. This is us being honest. Come on, this is us being real. Come on, forgetting the fact that we're holy and we're Christians. This is who we are in the natural. And that's why, like the disciples, we need to throw our hands in the air and say, God, without you... Without your divine intervention, we can't do it. We can't do it. They didn't ask for the faith for the miracles. They asked for the faith to forgive those who had offended. 
It's amazing how we can justify our actions by the fact they deserve it. How many times have you said that, well, they deserve it? Come on, am I talking to myself today? I'm talking to a bunch of holy people who are so saved that you don't even need to be in church. I mean, hello? Come on, how many people am I talking to tonight? Come on, that we think they deserve it anyway. But you know what, Miss Emmett? If they deserve it, that means I deserve it too. I deserve it too. And there's an ouch to that one. I like it for them, but don't like it for me. To allow offense, unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, to allow them into your life is like Br'er Rabbit with the tar baby. Anyone remember that story with Br'er Rabbit and the tar baby? I'm probably showing my age right now. But he put that... Who was it? Br'er Fox put that tar baby up there. And Br'er Rabbit was this little happy-go-lucky guy. And he thought it was cool, so he touched it. And what happened? He stuck. So what did he do? Oh, that's easy. I'll just push myself off and got stuck again. So I'll just push off again and got stuck. And I would love to show you him stuck again, but we'd fall to the ground with that one. But, you know, just one touch ended up in him being in a pot. With ropes all around him. A fire boiling under that pot. He was the dinner for that night. Isn't it amazing that what we think we can handle will eventually completely stick us. And put us in a pot. And cook us up. The possibilities of offense or to be offended are endless. So our stand against it is vital for our future. God, increase our faith. God, I need divine intervention. I need help. I don't want to step out in the natural and deal with these things because then I'm taking them upon my life. They're becoming a part of me. I want to be a part of you, God. God, give me the strength and ability is what it also means to increase my faith. Give me the strength and ability to avoid that pitfall at all costs. Come and say it with me. Don't let it. Into your heart. Come on, say it again. Don't let it into your heart. Because it will be like a cancer. And it will grow and consume you. And spread into every area of your life. Many of you today are wounded. Many of you today are hurt and bitter. And don't even realize that you're falling into Satan's trap. Perhaps Sunday, I'm not quite sure exactly where we're going to go, but we're perhaps going to deal with the fact of because of pride in our lives, we often don't admit to the fact that we have offense and being offended and hurt in our lives. But our response is key. We cannot allow the roots of offense to grow into our lives. Our future is determined upon our response. You see, when we live, as we talked about Sunday, surrounded by people, there are so many distractions that want to take our eyes off the prize. What is the prize for each one of us? Our relationship with God. That's the most important thing. If you would, turn just back a few chapters to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to read a story of Jesus who was visiting the home of Lazarus. Lazarus, whom later he would raise from the dead. Lazarus and his family, who were friends, who were dear friends to Jesus. In fact, it's been told that Mary, who is the sister 
of Lazarus and Martha was actually one of the ladies that broke the flask and anointed his feet. Which Judas looked at and said, that could have been sold and given away. He wasn't concerned about the poor, as he said. He just had, he had greed in his heart because he would steal the money. He would later be the one that betrayed Jesus. But in this picture, we see Jesus sitting at the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 40 through 42, it says, But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. Master, don't you care that she is making me, I'm having to do everything here and she's doing nothing to help. She said to Jesus, therefore tell her, tell her Jesus to help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. You've become distracted With many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part. Which will not be taken away from her. One thing is needed. One thing is needed. I wish I had more time to break this and dissect this a little bit. But Martha's getting mad. She wants Jesus to tell Mary to get up off her backside as she's sitting at the feet of Jesus and come and help her prepare the food, make the table, do whatever is needed. But what does Jesus do? Who does Jesus really address? Does he turn to Mary and say, your sister's right, you need to get up and go? Who does he really address? Who does he really speak to? He says, Martha, Martha. He doesn't correct Mary, but rather he corrects Martha. It's amazing how often in life we can get so distracted by the smallness and pettiness of others around us that are trying to do what? They're trying to take us from Jesus. They're trying to take us from that place of relationship with him. Now, please believe me, I'm not saying that we are bigger and better than those around us. But we have got to guard our hearts and watch that their smallness doesn't affect our stand with God. I want to ask you a question tonight, simple question. And I hope every one of you has the answer to this question tonight. But how many tonight believes that God has a purpose for your life? Come on, let me see your hands right now. How many believes God's got a purpose for your life? You may not know what it is, but you believe. Come on, let me see those hands. God's got a purpose for your life. And what it means is this. You can put your hands down. Because of that purpose, it means this. My life is going somewhere. Did you catch that? Because of the purpose that God has for me, it means my life's going somewhere. My life's not stagnant. It's not going to be this way forever. Because of purpose, it's taken me somewhere. I'm going somewhere. I may not know the end of where I'm going, but I'm going somewhere in God. Because of purpose, life has now meaning. 
Because of purpose, once I was hopeless, now I am hopeful. Once I had nothing, now I have everything. Because of purpose, God has a purpose for my life. My life is going somewhere. You've got to catch that. Your life is going somewhere. And that is why offense wants to attack you. Because you have a purpose. God's got plans for your life. God wants to take you somewhere, but what offense will do, it will lock you down and shut you down right where you're at, that you will never progress in your life. Oh, Pastor P, I disagree with that. I've got some movement in my life. Yeah, you're like a dog on a leash. You're like a dog on a leash, or let's bring it into the 21st century. You're like a dog with an underwire fence and a shocking collar on. You can go so far and then all of a sudden you get a jolt and guess what? You're not going there again because you know what happens. So you think you're really big and bad because you've got the control of the whole yard. But you've got to remind yourself, see, Satan wants to keep you in the yard, but God wants you to see there's a world outside of the yard. Come on, there's a world of opportunity out there for us children of God, but so many of us are prancing around our yard thinking we're big and bad because at least my yard's bigger than yours. No one's got a bigger yard as what God has. That's the world. The opportunities are endless. It's amazing how you can put that same dog after a while. We've got a shocking thing on our fence in our yard, and now we don't even have to put the collar on our dog anymore. She don't leave. You can take a chain off a dog who's been there for years, and he won't even go past where he used to go, and he's free to go, but because of a fence. Because of the limitations. Because of the purpose of your life. Satan wants to hold you back. I was listening to a message from Brian Houston and he said these words. He said, don't let what God has called you to do, which is people. God's called us to people. Distract you from what God has called you to do, which is people. Let me say that one more time. You've got to grasp a hold of that. Let me say it a little bit slower. Don't let what God has called you to do, which is people, touching lives, making a difference, telling people about God. Don't let what God has called you to do be exactly that which distracts you from what God has called you to do. Isn't it amazing how people that we're called to can be that which distract us from our calling? We see it in the story of Mary and Martha, her sister. We find out that the greatest offense often comes from those who are the closest to us. We've got to live above the smallness and the fickleness, the distractions and the offenses of others around us. And we've got to remain what? We've got to allow God to remain the number one place in our lives. We've got to keep our eyes on the prize and not compromise our calling. Why? Because my life's got a purpose. I'm going somewhere. But if I allow a fence to come in, it's shutting me down or it's limiting me at best from the blessings that God has where I've got to get my eyes back on the prize and that's God. And I cannot allow their smallness, their fickleness, their unforgiveness, their pettiness to destroy my life. Come on, you've got to see this because you're allowing it to destroy your life. You can say, well, I can't help it. Yes, you can. You can choose to be offended or not. Offense is a choice. 
If you don't hear anything else I say tonight, I'll say it again. Offense is a choice. You choose to be offended. You don't choose what people say, but you choose what you allow into your heart and attach to your life and apply to your life and allow to be a part of you. Don't let what God has called you to do, which is people, be that which distracts you from what God has called you to do. His people, their smallness, their fickleness. God is going somewhere. And you know what God's call was? Jesus' call when he was on the face of this earth, he would look at people and say, follow me. He would say, follow me. He would say, follow me. Why? Because he was going somewhere. God is going somewhere. That's why when your life has purpose, you're going somewhere. Why? Because you're with God. And God is going somewhere. Stay with me tonight because we're going somewhere. That's why we've got to make a stand. Jesus said, we must follow him. And listen to me, Alicia. To follow him means we need to be where he's at. To follow him means I've got to be where he's at. What happens in our lives, we begin to follow and we kind of drop off a little bit and we drop off a little bit and we drop off a little bit. And what happens? We get lost. We get lost. We get lost from someone that we have no business being distant from. That's a relationship, being connected with God. God has a purpose for my life. His purpose means my life is going somewhere. God is on the move. He's alive. His purpose is ever moving. And he says, Philip, follow me. And it's my responsibility to follow him and keep with him. And sometimes in order to make that happen in my life, the price I have to pay is him above anyone else. Him above anyone else. We cannot compromise when it comes to our walk with God. God has to be first. Getting ready to close tonight, but listen to this. Brian Houston tweeted this. Listen to this tweet. It's incredible. Brian Houston said, No mature Christian who is seasoned in the Word of God has any defendable Excuse for becoming offended. Disappointed he said that. I'd have liked to have had my name attached to that. That's good. No mature Christian who is seasoned in the Word of God has any defendable excuse for becoming offended. You can make excuse, but there's nothing that you can defend or back up. Oh, there's plenty of excuses, but you can't back it up with Scripture. You can't back it up with the truth of God's Word. We read earlier from Luke 17, verse 1, it's impossible that they will not come. It means they're coming. And oftentimes it comes from those closest to us. David had to shake the offense off his brothers or he would have never faced a giant. Who do you think you are? You're just a little boy. Who do you leave the sheep with? Go back to those little sheep. Let us men handle man's business. He had to shake that off. If he had taken that offense upon him, Danny, you know what he would have done? He would have gone back to the sheep defeated and perhaps would have never been the king of Israel. You may say, well, God anointed him as king. Yeah, but David still had to make the choice to be God's king. 
We can allow the circumstances and the situations of our life. We know God's calling and giftings are without repentance. God said, you're the king of Israel. But you know what? It was up to David to act in such a way that he became that man that God called him. God didn't take that calling, but yet he could have not been the king. And God did not remove that. The possibility or the potential to be there was still there. But he had to what? Function in his unction. We cannot be distracted in our walk with God. We're going to talk about this perhaps more on Sunday, but Proverbs 18 verse 19 tells us, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Another translation says, A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. That means that you are stuck right there in that offense. But listen to me today. While you're stuck in that offense, and you're breathing smoke and fire because how dare they do that? I've got every right to be mad, but I've attached into my life. While I'm stuck there in that offense, in a strong city, defendable walls all around me because I've put them up. No one's going to get in. I'm locked down. But not only am I locked down, Miss Emma, I'm locked out. Listen to me. While you're stuck there, the kingdom of God is not stuck over your offense. The kingdom of God is still moving on. And remember what Jesus said? Follow me. And if I'm going to follow him, I must be where he's at. And if I'm sitting stuck in a city, a stronghold in my offense, guess what? I cannot follow Jesus. I'm not where Jesus is at. Because Jesus is not sitting in my place of offense. Now, he's my way of escape. 1 Corinthians 13, he's the way of escape from that. But he is not stopping there. And that's why you and I have got to shake ourselves free from offense. Stand up like the prodigal son. He was in a pig pen, but thank God one day he came to his senses. And he realized, hold on a second, here I am with nothing. At least even if I was a servant in my father's house, I'd have a roof over my head. I would have food in my stomach. I would have nice clothes to wear. There would be some freedom and liberty. And now I was the heir and I have nothing. At least there. Come on, we need to come to our senses and realize our offense is a strong city, a stronghold, a stranglehold that's holding us back from the purpose that God has for our life because God's purpose for our life is he wants to take us somewhere and where he is we can be also he's not stopping there and you and I have got to make a stand and say neither am I and keep moving on offense will cause you to draw back offense will cause you to be left behind and you and I Have no time for that. We've got to make a stand against it. Don't allow the offense and the distractions of this world to destroy your walk with God. God, I need divine intervention. God, would you increase my faith? God, I can't do it. On my own, it's impossible. I've tried God. 
but I can't forgive them. I can't let go of that. I can't move on. You may think you've moved on, but you'll never get far until you release that and forgive. Until you allow that attachment to be broke free off your life. I said this in this message and I'm going to bring it back one more time. Not only is it important for me to forgive for my sake, but it's also important for me to forgive for their sake. Because not only does it release me, but my forgiveness can release them to receive the blessings of God. Because I can hold them back through the unforgiveness that I have in my heart. And I don't want to be responsible for taking anyone else down. Because I have a purpose for my life. God has a purpose for my life. And God's purpose means I'm going somewhere. And where Jesus is, I want to be with Him. And therefore I cannot allow this stuff to be attached to my life. Would you do something for me tonight? I want you all, if you can, if physically you're not able, I understand. But I want every one of you who physically is able tonight, I want you to get out of your seat, and I want you to turn around, and I want you to kneel right where you're at. And you know what I want you to do tonight? I want you to ask God to really show you what's going on in your life. Because there's a lot of things that we've perhaps masked and because of pride will not allow us to admit and confess and accept those things. But I wonder tonight what we need to release for our lives. Those things that were done to you as a child. You need to release those things because they're an offense, they're in a trap of Satan that has held you bound for long enough. The words that were spoken over your life. Maybe that person at church that said something that got you mad. Maybe that husband, that wife, that aunt, that uncle, the neighbor. How dare they say that? Come on, we've all had reason and opportunity to become offended. But we don't have to allow that offense to become a part of our life. Why not tonight begin to ask God just to release you so you can fulfill the purpose that he has for your life? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.